Sup, everybody. This is Carrick with ACG, and welcome to another role-playing podcast, the ACG and D podcast number. I think we're at 11 or 12. I'll have to go back and check. There's been a bit of a hiatus, a little bit of a pause, and I want to discuss that in a second. But first thing I want to say, I got no sponsors, so I'm going to sponsor myself. If you get a chance and you use Amazon, use the Amazon affiliate link. It'll be in the description of this podcast wherever you listen to it. And you can go and you can buy things on the Amazon store and it helps the channel a little bit by giving a small snippet of that, stealing it away from the Jeff Bezos overlord and giving me just a small amount. And that helps me pay the bills and keep the lights on. And, well, doesn't cost you a damn thing. Another thing that doesn't cost you anything is reviewing the channel. You can obviously do that on Spotify and iTunes. And lastly, but not leastly, you can also check out the Patreon. I would love for you to join in, jump into the Discord, jump into the conversation. Let's begin. So you may have noticed a bit of a hiatus, a little bit of a pause here. The reason why, the honest reason why is uh, I've just been feeling really tired lately. And when you guys know me, uh, my 100% is probably everybody else's 2000%. But with the multiple number of podcasts I do, which is upwards sometimes six, seven, eight a week, every single week, as well as reviews, as well as trying to get the channel updated and ready for 2021, I just noticed at times I was just basically sleeping more than I ever had. And it's continued for a while. It's just a fatigue thing, I'm sure. I'm not too worried about it. But it's popped up enough that it was difficult to actually get the juices flowing to do any kind of podcasts that weren't really required right away. Now, the role-playing podcast is one of my favorite things to do. So you guys might be surprised for me to say that I was sort of putting it to the wayside. The reason why is because I'm doing a bunch of new stuff for the channel, getting a bunch of new series created, doing the cartoon, as you guys saw. I hope you guys liked that and various other things. So sometimes you just got to sit back and take a break. And uh, I go 100 miles a minute. And this was one of those times where for the first time in my life, my body was like, yeah, we're more like 50, 40, 30 miles a minute. There, there, This is a school zone, baby, at this point. So I had to put a couple things on hold. There's just too many different ideas that I had. And so I decided I didn't want to continue doing these and have them be terrible or something like that or for me to lose sight of what I wanted to do with these. And uh, we're back on it. So let's begin. Looking at these in the past, we've talked about idioms for creating characters. We've talked about all kinds of stuff. But today I want to talk a little bit. We're going to return to that in a second for sure today. But I want to talk about games, video games when it comes to role-playing and why role-playing and video games are so difficult to do, unless it's really action. I think this is pretty easy for people to understand, but I want to bring it up because I do see the question asked a lot of times. People say, why isn't this world in a D&D game? Or why isn't this D&D game in a video game? Now, the first thing I'm going to say is I think it is easier to take a video game and put it into written form. There's various reasons for this. One being that Digital form is a static representation and presentation. You can't go in and just absolutely arbitrarily switch something if you want to. Where with written form, you can do something like an errata, which is basically, oh, we made some mistakes on our rule book and change it up. Also, there are thousands of rule books and rule systems that you can use if you're taking your video game, let's say, and you're turning it into a pen and paper product. The other way around, not so easy. It's one of the reasons why we've seen multiple games have difficulties trying to take that transition into the video game format. In fact, we've even seen things like Pillars and other games sort of play around with not only turn-based but real-time and adjust it between sequels. This is the kind of thing that I think a lot of us can gravitate to and sort of understand. Now, you start looking at the more action-packed ones, and I like to call these the three-person brawlers. These are the big ones, the Middle-Earth's Gauntlet, the original Gauntlet series. 
these are games where basically you play the archetypes we're all accustomed to. Your wizard, your warrior, your elf. You know, well, the elf would probably be a ranger, but you get my drift where it's usually all a, a, a sort of a static kind of presentation. And you build the skills within there. And the reason why those are done and those are a little easier is because you're not getting into the role play format there unless the players who are playing that in video game form are like, I'm the elf, so I'm going to talk to you guys while we're playing. And when I ask for help, I'll be like, the elf needs help, my friend. But normally that's not what happens, right? It's easier to do those. And you can end up seeing a lot of the, I would say, connections between D&D and that as well as we've moved forward in the years. Now, this is something that TSR in particular has not really shied away from. Remembering that when you're looking ancient back and you're looking at, let's say, second edition, that was like a spreadsheet. And even though I adored parts of second edition, even I could admit it could be quite convoluted. However, you jump forward and you start looking at three and 3.5. And as we move forward into four and five, their editions and a lot of D&D games have actually transitioned to an almost video game format. This is known and is something that they've embraced on purpose. There are actually people who have WoW and other MMO experience working for a lot of these pen and paper producers who are making these games. You have everything from Savage World with its powers and how it does particular things on cards to TSR and just how they've, well, not TSR, I'm sorry, but Wizards of the Coast and how they've handled a majority of the way D&D works, where it feels more video gamed. This makes it a little bit easier, and then you can insert your own role-playing wherever you want in there. And that is where you get that difference between role-playing and role-playing, R-O-L-E and R-O-L-L. I think when it comes to video games, we're going to continue to see transitions and attempts. We did just see Magic going into a Diablo style with Magic Legends. If you get a chance, check out my video impressions on that. I was quite surprised. It's janky, I admit. But there were some things that they did that sort of made a Diablo-style game like that feel more welcoming than prior other titles that just jump in that genre with a slight fiction change. And moving on, talking about change. I'm letting my doggy out. Come on, go out. Go out, Baron. Baron. Okay. Fuck. My dog. He, like, waits at the door. He's like a barbarian, man. He waits at the door, and the moment you open it, he's like, yeah, maybe not. So... Talking about moving on here and different things. One of the things that's been asked by me is Eyes Blue says, is there a video version of your D&D campaign? Listen, there's going to be a lot of amazing stuff for the D&D campaign. However, I've got to parse it out. I've got to make sure it's right. I am a bit of a perfection freak when it comes to adding completely new things to the channel. Maybe not so much a review because I'll just be like, hey, man, here's a new review type. Here's a new style I'm doing. That's fine because I know that a lot of people are going to grant me a little bit of that flexibility. However, when it comes to a new thing to the channel, like the cartoon or in this case, D&D, uh, it, I do, and I will admit, I do spend more time thinking about those things because I, my opinion is might as well hit it right if you're going to hit it at all. So yes, there's a plan for that. It's going to be pretty cool. Uh, we're going to do a couple things to really get some shine on that first, and then you will see some live plays. So one of my Discord fans, and I got to shout it out to the Discord fans. I got to give them a little support. Solar Sword says... Can you do a dissertation on that terrible Tom Hanks movie where he was addicted to D&D? Now, anybody listening already knows what the hell I'm talking about because I've talked about this movie multiple times. This is a movie that Tom Hanks did back in the days where D&D was considered demonic, satanic. It was considered like, oh, my God, if my son plays D&D, he thinks he can fucking fly. 
even my mom and dad asked me one time, by the way, they knew how intelligent I was. They were like, and that's not me bragging. That's just them assuming that a six to seven year old can still figure out some things. And, and they were like, hey, man, do you think you can fly when you play D&D? And it was that beat where you're just sitting there looking at your parents thinking it's a trick. And I was like, the fuck you thinking, man? No. Now, I'm not saying I answered like a gangster. I don't remember what I answered. I probably just said no. And they were they were cool with it. I never got asked again. So this game, this movie is terrible. Tom Hanks basically has a mental illness and believes that the D&D game in which he plays is real. Now, we do see this kind of thing, and I want to say that there's absolutely nothing that I can say about mental illness that's, you know, anything a psychologist couldn't say, that kind of stuff. But it was represented incorrectly there. How do I know? Well, I'm married to a psychologist, so I can tell you. Probably also the only reason I got married at all was to somebody who understands a broken kind of person like me and who was cool enough to marry me. So, yeah, terrible movie, terrible movie. You know, D&D, this is like the game discussion I just had. When you're trying to translate something, man, you got to try to translate the fandom. You don't always want to translate the negative. And back then, there was just no real positive movies. It came later with Your Legend and Willow and a couple other things. But those were more based, I would say, on the heroic fantasy. And they took D&D, and they sort of didn't necessarily inject it in. We saw that later. And then you see the D&D movies, which are terrible because they were actually trying to insert leveling into the game <laughs> or into the movie. It was just terrible. So you get all these kind of switch arounds. But yeah, man, I, I hated that thing. Let's jump into the meat of this today. I'm going to talk a little bit about DM and a little bit about playing and a little bit about teamwork. So one of the things I always tell people is if you're going to get into a game, you really do need to check with everybody and verify a couple things. First, you want to verify that the person and or people are going to enjoy the fiction that you're presenting. There is nothing worse, guys, than getting somebody who likes Westerns into a game about <laughs> Middle East uh, ancient mythology and they're sitting there going like, I have no clue what this is. And they're not open to it. Now, some will be open to that. They maybe like one particular thing and they'll be open to it. In fact, you could do an a incredible game based on, let's say, an, a mystical cowboy from Dead Deadlands. Yeah, from Deadlands in some kind of ancient, dark, Middle East mythology kind of game. That could be incredible. That theme is awesome right there. Just thinking about it. But you don't always know if those people are going to want to join in. You have to ask them. You have to be open to taking the critique when somebody's like, hey, man, this isn't for me. Just like it's not for you for anything. Certain ice creams, blowjobs, people, I get it. You may not like them. I like them. But when it comes down to it, we all have our choice. So be aware that that can come up. And when it comes to your party choice, the party starts with the people in real life. And I always say that it doesn't start with the characters in the game because the people in real life, if they are not comfortable and enjoying themselves, aren't going to actually play people in the game that are interesting that you'll want to see. So you have to make sure that they sort of know what's going on. Are they a bit of a crunch fest fiend? And are they going to end up rubbing other players the wrong way by sitting and talking for 16 hours about some kind of plant flora that they've rolled a knowledge skill on? These are things that are important and you need to talk them out. Now, additionally, I see this popping up a lot when it comes to social issues currently where I see, I guess there's these type of cards that you can use that basically you put down in the middle of a game and you can just stop the game completely and make the DM not cover that part of the game. I can get that. I can understand it, especially if you're with randoms. I would personally say I would not use those. I would basically have a group that was open enough that if something was making somebody uncomfortable, they would say it and, or they just call an end to the game and then pull me aside. However, 
I would say that most of the people I've played with, I'm very clear on what this game may be. For example, if it's a supernatural monster-based game, you're going to see some shit that might creep you out. Are you okay with being creeped out? And you sort of go from there. I think now there's a lot of these larger social zeitgeist words and things, and, and I certainly applaud any tools that people may need and uh, would say to go use them. I just wouldn't in my group. And that's most likely because whenever I put a group together, I'm always already querying all this kind of stuff. I'm always already checking. Now, this is going to pop up, I can already tell as I'm talking, as another question. What if you're alone and you got nobody to play with? And we're not talking about sex. We're talking about the games themselves. And I get it. That can be a thing. When you want to play D&D, right? And you got nobody to play with. You get a board game, nobody to play with. So a couple ways to get around this, and I'm going to cover those very quickly. The first way to get around it is to play solo rules of the game. Now, a lot of people do not like solo rules, and that can feel more lonely. The reason why I know that for a fact I've done solo rules and I have people who want to play daily, but I was like, oh, I'm going to try some solo rules. And I actually like some of them, but holy shit, it can, it absolutely can feel more lonely. In fact, I would say in a way it can feel a little bit more isolationist. I'm not talking down on it, by the way, I'm saying be prepared because it can pop up into your head. You know how sometimes you do something stupid, right? And you look back on it and you, you do that cringe. You're like, damn, son, I did that. No, it may have been 10 years ago. It may have been two years ago. It may have been two minutes ago. It may have been 20 seconds ago when I said, damn, son, it doesn't matter. At some point, you probably look back. What could happen when you're doing solo is you might actually think of the actual gameplay of solo part being the lonely part. So you played a game solo, let's say, a board game, a video game, a D&D game, and you're like, that was fun, whatever. And then you go off. And then maybe the day after you're thinking about it, and you think back and you're like, holy shit, I'm such a loser. I played alone. First of all, you're not a loser. That's not a loser thing. What is valid, though, is the worry that you may have that it is a thing. Now, a lot of people try to tell you your worry is invalid. Oh, you don't need to worry. I'm not necessarily actually in agreement with that. I think you do need to worry to verify that something weird's not going on. Like, are you, let's say, unhealthy in the sheer amount of times you don't want to do stuff with other people? Or is it unhealthy that you're even thinking that way? Are you thinking that way? And maybe that's a worry. Like, why would you think that way? I think it's okay to have those thoughts. You have a lot of people who they don't want those thoughts. They'll be like, how dare you think it's this? And sometimes you'll even hear me say that. But overall, I still do believe that it's okay to query your thoughts. And when you're sitting there, you know, a couple days later and you look back and you're like, man, you know, I was alone and I was playing D&D. Well, what a loser. Nah. Nah, you're not. I get the idea. I get the thought process. And it's happened to me, not the loser part, but I've been like, wow, that was lonely feeling. It does happen. So what do you do when you're in those positions? How do you get others? Let's talk about it that way. Now, there's Meet Me, which is a pretty cool social website, which allows for people to get together physically. However, we are in the midst of one of the biggest world changes ever. So what do you do? There are online forums that you can go to. Mythweavers still exists. There's an online for, uh, forum there. Most forums, you can even tweet out. You can tweet this out, guys. You just go onto Twitter and say, hey, I want to play D&D. Does somebody have an open group? And maybe somebody who's following you or you're following does. Start watching things like Critical Role and... And those kind of different larger websites, you know, many of them have forums where people are saying, you know, looking for a game. Go to Reddit. And there are multiple Reddits that not only are looking for game, they actually have Reddits where you can go and you can talk to people and decide, hey, is this going to fit for me? But you can even go one step farther 
damn, man, you could create your own Reddit, right? The thing is, is a lot of times people get nervous. They're like, ah, I don't want to do this. You know, I'm just going to go. And then you go into another person's backyard and sometimes there's in-jokes you don't understand. And that can happen in a forum. It can happen on Obsidian Portal, which is where D&D games are uh, posted and people can play as well. You should certainly check that out. RPG Now is an awesome website where you can go. You can tell them what type of games you want to play and they will start those games and they can be played via. Now, remember, when you're alone, sometimes you can't choose exactly every single thing to be perfect when you're going to be invited to a game. RPG Now, I believe, is not only has the ability to do, you know, normal games, but also text, uh, text line games, almost like a chat kind for D&D. Now, I've done that and I've actually quite enjoyed it, quite enjoyed it. I could play a D&D game with text chat or in Discord where nobody's talking. I could do that. No problem. But I know some people wouldn't. So look, you know, find those discords. And I got to say, sometimes you're going to have to spend money. Let me not sell this, but I will say it. People who spend five bucks are in my discord. There are people there who have put D&D games together for each other. That's just the way it's got to be. Sometimes you got to put a little money in. Sometimes you can't close off all of your options and then sort of complain when you don't have any options, right? It depends on how much it matters to you. But if you are alone when it comes to gaming, reach out, try to find groups, track groups, watch groups, and then create something. If you think you have a good idea, maybe create something. I see a lot of people, same thing happens with YouTube. They're like, I've got an amazing, amazing brand for video games. And I'm like, cool, man. You got any videos? No. Why? Well, I haven't got that right. And I'm like, All right. So what are you going to do? And they're like, I'm going to do reviews. Awesome. What are you going to re what are your reviews going to cover? It's going to cover graphics and because of you maybe we'll cover sound and voice and it's going to cover fun factor cuz I think games are fun. And I'm like, "All right, you're fucked." Not that you're fucked, but you get my drift, right? You got to you got to rub a little of your specialness in there. It's got there's got to be something there that sort of speaks to people. So, anyway, all of these things are there. You can always tweet me at any point, if you want, and talk about d and I'm not saying I will always respond, but most of the people that follow me will respond if I don't. Um, and again, our Discord has an amazing group for that. So, and support those things. If you want to see more of this kind of discussion, you got to support this podcast. I see a lot of people are like, I love reviews, man. Reviews better not go away. And then they won't even subscribe to a YouTube channel. And you're like, damn, son, you got some shit backwards, including your brain. Moving on. And now let's begin with five tips to being a good player. Let's go. Number one, always make sure to have a name prepared or ready for a game. It slows everybody down if you don't have a name. And I know a lot of people are like, naming is the hardest part. It is because you're not thinking well. Have some names set up. Pick some movies that you like. Pick the actors that you like out of the movies. Throw them down on a piece of paper. Always have them ready. Even if you have to name your character Arthur, and you're like, man, this is a boring character, especially because it's based in fantasy. People are going to think of Arthur Pendragon or something like that. It's like, hey, you know what? Maybe not. Maybe you end up playing that character in a way where the Arthur name seems completely weird when it comes down to it. Maybe it's a completely boring name, but the way you act is this von vavant where everything you do is sort of over the top and crazy. And so Arthur as a normal name just seems weird, except there was the old TV show with Arthur. Who played that? Dudley Moore. He was crazy and his name was Arthur, but you get my point. Number one, like I stated, always have some names. Number two, 
be open and flexible. People will have issues when it comes to gaming and you will have problems. You will have arguments. You'll be trying to understand what's going on. If you want to make a game go slick, you got to be flexible. You got to be flexible in other people's translations of things. When it comes down to it, a lot of crunchy games are very easy to understand the rules. Man, this is like Sense Evil. Okay, Sense Evil for 10 feet. Well, we all know what 10 feet is. It's from the person. I'm just guessing. I don't even remember how far away you can you can sense it. But then it's like, what does Sense Evil mean? What's evil? If I'm a good guy, evil's one thing. If I'm an evil guy, evil's something else. Guess what? What if I'm not a good guy or a bad guy? What if I'm just uh, sort of a gray guy? What's evil to me then? How does it end up applying and looking? in a way like evil. Also, you can go with those static things. Let's say games like Sense Evil only senses characters or things that have murdered others that have no compunction and that kind of stuff, right? Okay, no issues there. I, I can sort of understand that, but how are you going to end up reflecting that as a DM to make it a little bit fancy, a little bit different? So again, you got to be flexible with all this stuff. Flexible as a character, flexible as a DM, but most importantly, flexible as a player. Number three, be okay with people taking the spotlight away from you. Don't take it away from them unless it absolutely makes sense for your character and understand that that stuff's going to change game to game and moment to moment. If you end up getting them in a fight, it doesn't always mean the barbarian or the fighter or the mercenary is going to be the number one person to react at the split second moment in which action actually occurs. It may not happen. In fact, one of the best battles I've ever seen in a game we had, we had five people, it was a mercenary unit, and we were protecting a character on his way out of a dangerous land. We end up getting jumped, and we are like, okay, we know exactly what's going on. We were counting down, three, two, one. We're going to nail these guys. We know exactly what's up. And instead, the character that had no battle prowess really reacted out of control because they were in a stressful situation. And I got to tell you, it was a super enjoyable battle because they did something that they thought made total sense and it ended up causing utter chaos. They can work out and that's okay. Again, going back to the be flexible, but understand that some people are going to take that spotlight from you in times where you think you should have the spotlight. I know a lot of people are like, well, I'm the, I'm the barbarian. I'm always going to be the dumb character. Guess what? You know, what's really cool when you meet a character, even dumber than you, because then the barbarian can feel smart. You got to add a little flavor in. You got to marinate that story, marinate that character a little bit. And to do that, that means understanding where you fit in the group. You'll understand here as I'm talking, a lot of these are sort of group specific things. Number four, be on time. Be on time. That's it. Be on time. If the game is at 10 a.m., be there at 10 a.m. If the game is at 10.05, be there at 10.05. In fact, be there early. Be 10 minutes early. Be 15 minutes early. Be whatever early you can be without causing a horrendous scene. A person waiting to be creative is one of the worst ways to be creative. Trust me, that is a saying that will stick with you forever if you sort of watch how people react to somebody being late to a game. Don't be late. Don't disrespect them. If you are late, apologize. Give a reason why you are. Move on. Make sure you're not from that point on. You guys got to make sure that you expect something from your fellow players. And that is going to be my last suggestion, and this suggestion is going to sound weird, so you got to sit back and ready yourself for what I'm going to say. Expect excellence from others. Is this a game where it's just supposed to be fun? Yes. 
that doesn't mean that you're not getting together as a group and you're trying to deliver your best. If your character is a superhero character that's a bit like Batman, a bit like Superman, all mixed together, but also for some reason, let's say, has had head trauma. And so half of the day they spend is a maniacal do-gooder where they don't really care about the damage they do. They're just trying to fight crime. And the other half, they're slow and cautious because in the earlier half of the day, they were consistently doing damage. In the second half of the day, we'll say a switch happens. So from 12 p.m. to 12 a.m. at night, there's suddenly this character who has all these powers, but they're consistently feeling bad about what they did in the early a.m. Then play that out, man. Play that character. Play your Batman. Play your Superman. Play your Robin. Play this character. Whatever you're going to play, play it to excellence because it is about having fun, but that does not mean that to have fun, you get together and do absolutely nothing. If you want to go and smoke pot and do nothing, that's one thing. Nobody should have an issue with that, right? But if you're coming together to play a game and multiple people are setting aside their time to do so, man, have some respect and bring your A game if you can. It's important. And speaking of importance, we're at 24 minutes. I like to keep these a little shorter, so I'm going to do one last thing. Let's talk about how to make a character interesting. How do you make a character interesting, especially if it's a character that's the same as every other character? Now, I've talked about this already. Thieves who couldn't steal, that kind of thing. Fighters who couldn't fight. We're not going to go that far this time. We're just going to put a slight little bit of a rub, a little bit of a curb on each character. I would say one of the things to remember about characters is they never exist in a vacuum. What does that mean? Well, sometimes you'll get that, I'm a loner, I'm a vagabond. Everywhere I go, it's just playing some Bon Jovi song as I walk around. Okay, I get it. That does happen. But for a lot of characters, that's actually not true. They have different characters that they're friends with, family members, that kind of stuff. If you can't make something unique about your character, at least instantly in your head, make something unique about a friend or a family member. One of the characters that we had, this guy made a character and, you know, it was for Fading Sons. He couldn't make him really anything other than an archetype. It didn't feel right for him. It was just like, okay, he's a Al-Hazad, I believe at this time, Al-Hazad mercenary, which is, I believe the Al-Hazad, if I'm getting this right, because it's been a while since I've gone back and played Fading Sons. I believe they're the Spanish conquistador uh, heritage of spacefarers. And that's sort of what the myths that they've taken forward in the the way of doing these things. Um, I think that's true. Anyway, long story short, he was having a hard time. He was sort of stuck in these tropes and wasn't getting him anywhere. And I was like, listen, man, look at how your family handles things. Look at how families in the tradition of the Al-Hazat ha handle things. And then make a character that's sort of interesting on the side that might have something to do with the story. And it blew into this crazy, amazing thing where the boredom and solidness of the character being played by the player was in direct relation to the out-of-control family members they had, the just out-of-control belligerent family members. And this guy was basically going through life as the third-in-line mercenary in any movie you ever see. Now, you guys know what I mean. Imagine there's a mercenary movie. There's five guys who, you know, come together as a team. There's always that third and fourth dude in the middle who doesn't really have a lot of lines and dies pretty normally or maybe becomes uh, the crux in which some lesson is taught and everybody goes from that point on, but doesn't really have that big starring role. That's the way this guy was playing this mercenary. And we never could really understand why he just wasn't, it wasn't really clicking. So once we put together this family background 
all of a sudden everything started to make sense that he was just trying to make some money on the side, but not didn't want to make too much of a name for himself. Right. He didn't want to be the leader. He didn't want his name being the name of the mercenary unit. He just wanted to make some money and do stuff on the side because he wanted to do what he enjoyed. But at the same time, his own family name was pretty dangerous out there. And you never quite know when you'll meet. For example, a lot of times when you get a group of people together, you might introduce and especially in a D&D game. Somebody might introduce the main leader and say, this is John and Bo Bobo and Susan and, you know, Erica and, and John, right? But maybe Erica, if her last name is well known, that would be skipped. You wouldn't, no one would even know that Erica, there's billions of Erica's, but is there billions of Erica's called the star killer after their name, right? So it worked out really well. And I'm telling you right now. You don't always have to focus on your own character. You can focus on the side stuff and those bonds, those characters on the side, the family on the side, actions on the side, those can end up making the character explain itself to you in your brain, make it make sense. Even if you're like, okay, it makes sense that they're a little bit of just a template, a blank template right now, because maybe they're just holding on until their family dies so they can step forward and bring honor back to the family. Or maybe the family and the way they do things causes them to feel stressed all the time. Or maybe they just sort of don't want to be involved with them at all. And the death of that family might change that character's archetype forever. Those are the cool things. Those are the things you need to remember. It's not always about playing that absolutely over-the-top character. In fact, in a way, it's harder, I think, to play a character that's fairly solid, fairly stable, that doesn't have any reactions over the top or under a reaction where you'd expect them to overreact. Those can be amazing. Think outside the box, but remember that the box is there because somebody made it, and sometimes making a character revolves around looking at those people instead of the character itself. Anyway, that's it for me. I hope you guys like these podcasts. If you do, give it a thumbs up. If you don't, give it a thumbs up. Man, I can only tell you once. Uh, I'm telling you twice, so obviously I can't only tell you once. I'm telling you again. Review the podcast. It Please, it fucking helps for you guys to do so. Also, if you get this far, Twitter me uh, at ACGND. Just say you got this far so I know people are listening. Peace out.